0: Hello, I'm Stephen Morrow. And I'm Christopher Philippine. And this is The The Podcast Podcast with Benefits. Benefits. On today's episode, we talk about BDSM.
1: BDSM. BDSM. On this episode, we take a quiz.
0: We take a sexy quiz. I took a sexy quiz, and I found out that I hate being called daddy.
1: But they, them.
2: They, them, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, actually referencing that, uh, on the last episode you recorded with us, uh, I asked your pronouns uh, and or confirmed your pronouns to be they, them. But you said you prefer they, them. Yes, I do. Uh, Other times when I'm speaking to to people, they have corrected me to say, it's actually improper to say uh, preferred pronouns, because it implies that there's a preference rather than just it is what it is. So I wasn't sure if you were weighing in on that specific topic of my saying preferred or it was just muscle memory kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I wasn't intending to say anything on it, but okay. since we're here now, yeah. um, I guess at work specifically, I, I don't mind a she because I'm... Not always comfortable correcting people or introducing myself as they them because it's still a relatively new realization mm-hmm. for me. So I get part of it is me getting comfortable with that part of myself. So so I'm I'm still okay with the she, her. But yes, I prefer they them. Okay. I'm just not comfortable letting everyone know about
1: it yet. So
2: Okay. So I'm I'm okay with both.
1: Alright. Fair enough. Well, again, thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. Absolutely, um, the the last episode was very very informative. Uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Good. Um,
0: I think Stephen had mentioned that you had a question, maybe. Yes, I have probably a few questions.
2: Please, let's discuss.
0: Um, but I guess I guess the first question would be. Um, when you are talking to somebody for the first time, uh, like whether you're dating or uh, pursuing some kind of uh, relationship, how do you suggest um, that you mention polyamory or how... What are some, some strategies for communicating that to somebody who may or may not fully understand or um, have been exposed to it in the past?
2: My preferred style of communication is brutal honesty. And that means to be truthful whether or not it hurts the person. So when I start talking to somebody and, you know, we're just starting to have... If I'm online dating and we're just starting to have text conversations, I'm straight up. I'm upfront. I'm like... I'm polyamorous you know I may have relationships with other people while I'm dating you if that's not okay then this isn't gonna go anywhere and I'm sorry but we're not gonna be a thing you know we can still be friends we can chat but if you're not okay with me not having you as my only you know as my top number one all the time then this just isn't gonna work so sorry so my suggestion is to bring it up immediately. <laughs> you bring it up right away. You want to be honest and upfront okay. and open, and that's the whole point of polyamory. Like if you just just lay it all out there. And if that's not okay with the other person, that's that's too bad. This is who I am. Polyamory is my life, my livelihood, or my lifestyle.
0: wait a minute that's that's, different hold on you're getting paid for this? Right. that's way different well it took a turn I had no idea I've been doing this wrong this whole time right? yeah, I'm fucking up over here shit but if
2: they're not okay with polyamory from the get go then it's a non-starter like
0: that's you either are or you're not. That's fair. I've, sometimes, like that, that's basically the strategy that I've been taking. Where uh, almost as soon as possible after the initial, hey, how are you doing?
2: Because if you uh, don't then I just do that, lay it out there. If you don't do that, and then they find out later that in fact you do have a primary partner, then they feel like a side job, like they're a secret. And that's against the whole point of polyamory. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you you've got to be upfront and open about it as soon as you're comfortable with it. You can't wait till three dates in and be like, Oh yeah, by the way, I'm dating three other people and you're number four now. What <laughs> the where did that come from? So no, you gotta be honest and upfront with it right away. Treat
0: it like a leaderboard. Yeah. You just work your way up. Basically. But uh, <laughs> if you're not I, okay with this right now,
2: then you won't my be.
0: MySpace rankings back here. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I forgot all about that. Oh, Man. no. The rankings. Man. I would fuck oh. people's day up. <laughs> God.
2: People really were concerned about that shit. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean I'm not in your top 10?
0: Yeah, why am I not in your top 8? Where'd I go? <laughs> no, yeah. top 8. Who's this new path? person? <laughs> Actually, that's pretty sadistic of them. Yeah, so it was awful. Yeah. They knew Absolutely. what they were doing, though. Mm uh-huh. Damn, yeah. yeah.
2: MySpace, vicious. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> uh, but no, sometimes I feel like it's almost like barraging someone though, and uh, it's almost like I have a script. It's like a like a paragraph where I'm like, "Just so you know, I'm polyamorous. I am married. I love my husband." <laughs> like I have yeah. to, I have to lay it out, and then it just feels kind of like, uh, and I'm sure that they don't get the same. Uh, Feeling, I guess, as I do because I'm, I'm sending basically the same thing to multiple people, so uh, for me it seems more repetitive, I guess, than well, obviously than for them, yeah. But it just seems like a lot. Like,
2: well, first know. of all, dating as a whole just is an energy sucker. Like one of the formulas of being polyamory is: Do you have time? Do you have energy? And do you have money? If you don't have one of those three things, then put polyamory on hold until you have the don't time. not have any of those things. <laughs> to put it. If you have the energy to put into making and maintaining new relationships, if you have the money to go out on dates and, I don't know, rent hotel rooms, and if you don't have those three ingredients, then polyamory may not work for you very well.
0: That's actually, when you said money, I was a little bit confused so I'm glad that you mentioned to go out on dates and to get hotel, hotel yeah, rooms. dating costs money. I mean, yeah. it, it oh can God. be done
1: low-rent style, but... Which I'm all about, by the way, which but... Is fine. Yeah, which is absolutely fine. But and, you, still, you can still get the same quality, quality of date, but it takes more time and more energy to make those things really effective. If You, you don't necessarily have, have to have lots of all three and abundance of th- all three, but you need to have varying degrees and levels of these things to expend because they're interchangeable. I mean, you know, it's, I, I view a, a similar triangle at work. Like, you can, if there's money, happiness, and work-life balance, and my time, essentially. And so I can sacrifice my happiness if you're willing to give me a lot more money, or I can take a lower-paying job if I'm a lot happier at it. Or if it's less time consuming, you know, there's it's those three factors. So similar in relationship status, it's energy, That's like the,
0: time, and, and and money. The magical triad.
2: Absolutely. Like yeah. Yeah. If one of those things you don't have, like you can, yeah. Like Chris said, you can make up for it, but essentially, time, money, and energy. If you don't have those, you probably should put polyamory on hold. Yeah. For sure. All right. My biggest thing is energy. Like, I suffer with bipolar depression, so I just straight up don't have energy to put towards new relationships. Dating is hard. First dates, you feel like you're in deja vu over and over because if you're trying to get to know somebody, you're like, Oh, what do you do? What are your pets? What's your, you know, what did you, what was your childhood like? And you're just answering the same questions, and it's just, it takes so much energy for me to. Do all of that small talk over and over and over again. I day. hate the
0: small talk. That's uh. why I immediately jump into, like, just intense questions. Right. Like, I used to... One of my first questions that I would ask someone on a date uh, would be, When was the last time you cried? <laughs> like... <laughs> <I've literally laughs> you're been, about to tonight! <laughs> that's Today's your day! <laughs> that's, your, that's, like, seriously a question that I would ask. And it's so fucking bizarre, but the answers would be so... Telling, like, I would learn so much more about the individual, uh, than I would if I asked, you know, where do you work?
1: Right, yeah, Uh, it's it's all so boring, such, such stupid fodder that we just we're just still getting comfortable asking the other person questions. Where if you just don't give a shit and you just go right for those questions, you're gonna the other thing is you'll find out along the way, like, it's just. And so when I was weeping uncontrollably <laughs> over the loss of my puppy, I had to call off work where, you know, at the bank, oh, you work at the bank, like, okay, it's just, it's a it's a
0: piece of fact, it's not a telling story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, like absolutely. Yeah. I'd rather get a story out of somebody than a, a list of facts. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. Stop fucking small talking, people.
1: Yeah. I fucking hate it. A lot of polyamory
2: is a lot of first dates and... Kinda it kinda sucks sometimes, you know, to have to weed through all those shitty first dates to get a half decent second date, you know. So
0: Fair enough. Yeah, uh, I just wanna skip all that. Did you have any other questions, Steven? Uh kind of. Um so in the first episode that you were on, uh, you mentioned that you met up with somebody and you were, like, driving somewhere, I think, and they they asked you if you were familiar with polyamory. Um, and then I, I think we ended up talking about all kinds of other things. Do you mind going back to that and um, taking us through the process of sort of, like, the exploration and the discovery of, of that? Like, uh, do you think... Like, did this person take on, like, a mentor, like, a, almost like a mentor role? Like, how much did they did they teach you, and what was that experience like learning about that?
2: Yeah, um, that person taught me so much about the poly lifestyle, about myself, about my boundaries. Um, but, yeah, it's just simply they asked me that question, and I was able to, you know... It kind of awakened something in me that I hadn't thought about before, and so that that one car ride really just opened opened up my eyes to this whole new way of being and um he definitely was a mentor he you know taught me he brought me to the resource materials that will be. Linked. There's a couple books that I, I've read through. One of them's called Opening Up, and the other one's called More Than Two. And
0: Those are the books you mentioned in the mentioned other episode.
2: The, yes, and they're, they're such good resources, but he introduced me to those. And just the fact that you need to do research before you actually jump into polyamory. And, um, yeah, just not to, I guess not to expect too much. If you... You want to let the relationships develop organically instead of like try to force them in a box. So that's definitely something like, oh, I have I have this great relationship with someone, but they don't like movies. So I have to find someone who likes movies. Oh, and then this person also, I like to go to amusement parks and either one of these partners want to go to amusement parks. So I need to find a third person that likes to.
0: I will go to all of the amusement parks <laughs> just so you know.
2: But, like, that's not how polyamory works. And that's something that he opened my eyes to is that it's not really, like, checking off boxes as you go through and, like, trying to get, you know, specific holes in other relationships filled. It's about enjoying that person as a whole, as a whole person, and then also enjoying this person over here as a whole person, not just as a, as a filler for your life. So it's, yeah, definitely, definitely a mentor. Um, Me and that person no longer have any kind of relationship because that's what was best for us. But I learned so much, (laughs) even if it wasn't all good things to learn. But at the time, it was very eye-opening in good and bad ways.
0: Um, Do you mind explaining those ways? (laughs) the good and the bad ways?
2: Yeah, um... I guess he was not really polyamory-related, but he was kind of a manipulative person. Oh. So nice. he was able to teach me how to recognize manipulators, in a way. Um, I don't know. It's bad. He touted himself as a lot better than he was. So some of the things he taught me I needed to take with a grain of salt and still kind of think back. Maybe I didn't learn it in the best of ways. Um but can we pause yeah, for a that's second? Fine. Like yeah, that's fine. I'm falling apart for a second. Okay. Um so you wanted to know how this guy taught me in good and bad ways how to be polyamorous.
0: Yes, if and you don't have to, uh, you don't have to delve into anything if you don't want to. Yeah, but like a little
2: bit of ADHD, a little bit of alcohol, <laughs> just some completely losing focus right now.
0: No, it's fine. I sure. had a, an unfocused moment in a previous episode, and I just like had a fucking weird attack. <laughs> <laughs> How do I say I need to pause? And uh, I just make like a little timestamp so I know when to edit out. So
2: <sighs> okay. <clears throat> So, yeah, you want to know what specifically this dude taught me and what I learned from him?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's kind of vague, um, but, like, I don't know the... Uh, um,
2: I guess most he taught me that it was okay to be polyamorous. He taught me that that was a legitimate way of being. He allowed me to feel not guilty about having feelings for other people and that it was you know it's completely okay that you have really deep feelings that I had really deep feelings for him and then could also have really deep feelings for someone else I didn't have to juggle I didn't have to feel guilty I didn't have to explain myself a thousand different ways to make someone be okay with it it was just it is okay that this is a thing and so that was it was really liberating and it was really good to have that new influence in my life because I was able to let go of a lot of the guilt that I was feeling about my engagement going awry as it were um but yeah some of the some of the not great things he taught me was that yeah I, I I cannot fill the holes that other people have in their current relationships you know I'm not I'm not gonna be a replacement for things that have gone wrong in your current relationships you know that's that's not my place that's not
1: it's not healthy
2: no yeah yeah I'm I was I don't know when, just, whether it's a
1: single relationship or, or a poly one, It's, yeah, that's all the wrong reasons.
2: There was just so many good and bad things that he taught me about relationships, about myself, about boundaries, about how I want to be poly and how I don't want to be poly. I mean, it was just, it was my first introduction to anything polyamorous. So it was wonderful and it was terrible and it was just so many things all at the same time. The whole length of the relationship, which was I want to estimate a year it was about a year long but it was so passionate and it was so deep and it was just everything all in your face all at once and then all of a sudden it wasn't (laughs) so it's so but I don't know it's it's okay to be passionate and it's okay to have those feelings and it's okay to be overwhelmed by them and, and then it's it's okay not to know what to do with them like, it's just a, a whole revelation of being in touch with your feelings and being okay with having them and not denying them.
1: Which I think is communicating with yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it's a process. Like absolutely. I, I have feelings. I don't know where they come from. I don't know why they exist, but here they are. Mm-hmm. Let's fucking deal with them. And yeah, that absolutely. that is part of what he taught me, that. Sometimes you have to just sit in your shit. (laughs) You have to feel bad. Some you know, your your partner. Literally in other episodes that takes on a
0: different (laughs) meaning. Okay. (laughs) You literally have to sit in your shit. That's the only way to work through your feelings. It's a whole other kink.
2: Your shitty feelings. (laughs) You have to sit with your shitty feelings (laughs) and wade through them. You just you have to. And and it's okay to feel bad and it's okay to not know what to do with those feelings but at the end of the day that's that's what makes you you that's how you figure out who you are and what you like and what your boundaries are and that's that's the whole deal you just gotta sit with being uncomfortable for some for some of this stuff yeah and that's what makes it hard sometimes
1: dealing with that insecurity and that jealousy and yeah Oh, insecurity, yes. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Now if, and I don't mean to keep probing at this, Mm -hmm. Stephen, but I have have an itch that I have to scratch. Scratch away. Well, um, I just want to make sure that you've got your, your... your questions answered. Oh, yes, yes. Polyamory. Those were the two
0: questions. Okay. I wasn't uh, sure there was more. I didn't, we didn't put a number on it. So. Yeah, I didn't put a number on it because I didn't know if I would have more questions. Sure, but absolutely. You did a great job elaborating Oh, fantastic. Thank yes, you, thank absolutely.
1: You. Yes, thank you very
0: much. Um,
1: so another thing that I am privy to about you, Corey, is that not only are you experienced in polyamory, In polyamorous relationships, but also you dabble uh, and have some experience with the BDSM scene.
0: You did a hand motion that looked like balls. It looks like covering of the balls. (laughs) It looks like juggling (laughs) of balls.
2: It all starts with balls. (laughs) I I agree. It actually, it really does. It
1: starts and ends with balls, I think.
0: (laughs) but, just uh,
2: just tickle in, tickle in that little ball sack right
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> that the right, there. Right, right there. The one right there. I'm the little one. That is I'm sorry. I'm I'm for just those listening, we actually have a ball sack um, that we pass around. <laughs> I wish we did if it's we like do. It's like a happy sack. <laughs> yes. Oh, just yes.
1: balls.
0: We don't. I... I... <laughs> I call it you, the happy sack. You've been <laughs> led astray, audience, because if we have a sack that we're passing around, I have not had it yet. No, this is the fun part of, with audio. We can pretend. No, again, so I want a fucking sack to play I, with right now. I will now. give you a sack to play with. He's okay? got a sack for
2: you
1: to play with. Listen, we're getting we're we the train has left the station.
2: So BDSM. Yes.
1: <laughs> um. So. What is the BDSM scene in Lexington like?
2: Small. Okay. It's very small. Um, There is actually a lot of overlap in the polyamorous and the uh, BDSM community. Okay. Because from a polyamory standpoint, um, if I have a great relationship with my partner, and of course we all want a great relationship with them, but they don't want to spank me or they don't want to tie me up then I can go to the BDSM club whenever they meet up.
0: And there's I a club? Find,
2: yeah, there's a club. There's meetups. There's several.
0: Okay. <laughs>
2: um, but, but if your partner doesn't want to spank you or tie you up and you want to be spanked or tied up, then you can go with your partner even to the BDSM club and find people that want to spank you, that want to tie you up. And fortunately, in the polyamorous community, that's okay because one person doesn't have to fill your every need. So if you need to be spanked and you need to be tied up, baby, I can't do that for you. But let's go find you somebody that can. So it's, it's a really great kind of symbiosis with the two neighborhoods, if you will.
1: So when did you first start to have these thoughts or feelings or experience uh, your BDSM lifestyle?
2: I started dabbling in BDSM before I knew anything about being poly. In my very early 20s, I may have been, in fact, 20. Um, I had a co-worker who was living within the lifestyle in Cincinnati, Um, and he was aware of meetups and knew a friend that hosted meetups, and when I say hosted meetups, um, some of it is exactly what you imagine, just people having sex randomly off in the corners. Um, They have what they call the stacks, which is a big wooden X. Um, and people can get tied up to it. You get your wrist strapped to the top of the X and your ankles strapped to the bottom and you get spanked and touched and watched while you are strapped up to this big X. Um, my very first experience was in the basement of that friend's house. It was a, a sex party that night. I did not have sex at the party.
1: Oh no. no! No. <laughs> no, it's okay! Yeah, I'm uh,
0: hoping by their own volition. <laughs> oh yeah.
2: yeah. But my first- Okay, I just,
0: I just imagined if you're going to a sex party and then you don't have sex, it's like, oh. I, like, I probably would not have sex at my first sex party. If I, I had not been to one.
1: But I would imagine that I would probably want to just take a tour first. That's a, that's fair. Yeah.
0: I feel like I would be like yeah. on an expedition, and in the BDSM world, that is fine. Notes.
2: <coughs> if you want to come and just take a look and just come. view
0: <laughs> and just come, <laughs> yeah. You want to come and then come.
2: That's great. <laughs> You're welcome. Um. <laughs> <Is
1: it okay? laughs> uh, you went to a sex party. You did not have sex.
2: Right. Um, my first experience with that was actually getting tied up. I experimented with bondage. It was you were not, on the X? I was not on the X. The okay. stack. I was... The stack. I was sitting on my knees with my arms behind my back. Um, over top of, like, my elbows were bent over top of my head with my hands and wrists interlocked behind my neck. Um, and I was tied up. He made like a, a bodice out of rope and encased my breasts and wrapped it around my back very elegantly. The whole time asking if I was okay and being very aware of what state I was in mentally and physically, because at a certain point, my my elbows had gotten tired um, and they had asked if I was okay and I said, you know, can we retie my arms? And he was able, very very nicely was able to retie my hands down but just the the fact that he was so aware and so in tune with how I was feeling and the things that I was going through that's BDSM is a lot of trust I trusted him to tie me up I trusted him to take away use of my arms and and that's that's a lot of what BDSM is, is ha- building building trust with someone to bring you pleasure, hoping that it also brings them pleasure. But ultimately, like, in this case, I was the sub, the sub, the submissive. If at any point I was not okay with what was going on, then it would all stop. And it doesn't have to, like, shut down, stop forever. But, like, I need a break. I need my hands back. I need my hands you know, I need to scratch my face, I need to do whatever, and that's okay. So you need to trust the person that's tying you up to be able to listen to your signals, and they also, you know, need to be in tune with you and trust that you know what you're doing and need a break when you say you need a break. And if that trust isn't there, then you can't have a BDSM relationship.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, once that trust isn't there, it's like, it's no longer BDSM. Yeah, then it's torture.
2: <laughs> it's torture. So yeah. literal, literal torture,
0: <laughs> uh, and depending that's fun, on what right.
2: your activity is.
1: So yeah, I've, you know, from, and I, I don't know when, uh, you know, I couldn't pinpoint it, but I know that I like to spank my partners uh, when, when we're playing in the bedroom And so I knew, I knew that I enjoyed that. And so I, I explored further with that and tried using different implements and and paddles and belts and all kinds of different things. Um, and you know, then explored more of the dominant role. And, um, I recently took a test, um, And I'd I'd heard, you know, the more, the deeper you go down the rabbit hole, the more you discover. The
2: more you learn, the more there is to learn. Right,
1: the rainbow and the star, the more you know. Um, so, uh, I recently discovered like the the primal versus prey, uh, relationship that I had no idea existed, but I I already lean into that, uh, primal, uh, state, uh, Mm -hmm. and, uh. There's the slave and master, which is different, is similar but different. Um, there's all kinds of different things, and I, I recommend yeah. this test. Um, it is the it's it's bdsmtest.org backslash select dash mode, and we'll put that up on the website. Uh, could you repeat that? <laughs> bdsmtest.org backslash select dash mode and it's just a, a bunch of different questions that you, you, add, you answer and it's got a varying degrees of agree neutral and disagree and um, how long does this test take
0: longer than we have time to, to do right now Damn. It. Okay. Yeah. Because I was gonna say we could pause this right now, take the test, and then talk about our oh, results. Oh, we, we could if you want to do that. Yeah, we could take
1: a we could take a quick five. Say, you know, pause for station identification.
2: I believe I've taken this. Probably, test. Probably,
1: if I had to guess. Um, yeah, If you want to pause for station identification, we can come back and share our results. Do you Do you think that'd be fun?
2: We both have our results. You need your results. Okay. So All right. And then the I can try to help explain.
0: Okay. All right. So. So that was.
2: Probably like 30.
0: I'll just, I'll just pause this yeah. now. And then when we come back, I will have my results. We took a sex quiz. A BDSM quiz, specifically.
2: That's that what for, we're
1: saying.
0: <laughs> thanks for rejoining us. And listening to
1: those sponsors. And possibly taking the quiz, yourself. We've taken the quiz... Hopefully you'll take the quiz uh, after the episode,
0: and uh, you can kind of contrast and compare. Or you can pause now, take the quiz, and then... Sure. Sure. Um, So, Stephen, do you wish to discuss your results? Uh, I mean, sure. So this is my first time taking this quiz, uh, and some of it is a little bit surprising, because some of it I haven't necessarily... Uh, considered being interested in until I was specifically asked things. Um, but number one on the top of my list, so uh, for those of you who haven't taken the quiz, it basically ranks different um, labels, different categories, different different roles.
2: Different BDSM categories. Um, right, different BDSM roles. So exactly. it ranks
0: them, uh, it's kind of like a compatibility test. And it, it puts the most compatible role or category at the top with the least on the bottom, and it gives, like, a little percentage marking. Um, so apparently I'm 93% compatible with the role of a Switch um, than Nintendo Switch. Yes, you're, you're <laughs> a
1: gaming console,
0: Steven. You knew it, it in your heart all along. Uh, but no, so, like, switching roles are, like, being more versatile... Uh, when it comes to either being dominant or submissive. Um, I was interested in that because I wasn't expecting it to be on the top. Like, that's, like, the number one thing, which is strange because, I don't know. See, for (laughs) me,
2: Switch is number two at 96%.
0: (laughs) Whoa, hold on. My top one is 93%. And your second one is ninety six percent.
2: My second one is ninety six. My top.
0: This, it's not a compare, like, so. No, I, know, I know, I know, okay. I know. I, know. Okay. I'm, I just think it's interesting that like, that's number two for you. Do you have a one hundred percent match at the top?
2: Not a one hundred. I have a ninety seven. Okay. And it is voyeur. I do. I do like to watch. Okay. Maybe, maybe not participate all the time, but I want to. Just even by watching, I feel like I'm part of everything because I have a very active imagination. So if I see someone else experiencing something, like I can transition it into feeling it myself. And, and I love that.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I got a 96% voyeur. Damn, y'all have high percentages. I just, I like to watch.
2: But yeah, 96, Switch is my next one. I mean, okay, let me, I haven't taken this test, it's been quite a few years since I've gotten these results, so if I were to take it today right now, my results may be different, but I still, I still feel pretty, pretty related to my list.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I I took this quiz maybe uh, two weeks ago uh, when I was first shown it, and um, I encouraged my partner to take it, and... We, we both learned a lot about each other, uh, and so not only do I encourage you to take it for yourself to see, you know, it's eye-opening. I mean, um, because there was a question on the quiz um, that uh, I didn't even fathom as a possibility. Um, it is the, um, the question reads, um, living with a group of slaves owned by me and serving me would be my ultimate life goal. And I mean, you know, I wasn't even prepared for that question. <laughs> but man, did it hit on a whole other level for me. <laughs> Got you way off guard. <laughs> yeah, I was like, really? That's the thing that people do.
0: Um, New life goal. You know, right. Yeah. Immediately.
1: Yeah. Um, so just you know, it's eye-opening because you know, you're, even for those who are inundated in the BDSM lifestyle and the world there's always new things to learn. You know, never close yourself off from knowledge uh, because of, of things like this. And so it was a great wave of self-discovery, but also importantly is that when I had my partner take it, I learned things about them. that they, they they kind of already knew but just weren't able to express or to, to verbalize or ask for. Um, and so it, we're going to be trying all different kinds of new things now. So... See,
0: isn't it nice having just a list of things that you can try? Absolutely. Absolutely. Highly suggest that method.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's the, that's why we're going to link it to the, 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 the notes in the
0: show. Uh, definitely check it out. Um, so one thing that uh, really stood out to me was not just the top of the list being Switch, with the second thing on my list being Experimentalist um but on the bottom of the list yeah uh, the amount that i do not like age play
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> or anything having to do with daddy or mommy yeah no i don't want i don't want yeah, none got, of that yeah, i got a zero on age play as well <laughs> i'm just like nope like yeah.
2: all that stuff's down at the bottom for me too
0: that's a thing where even yeah, like if i'm fun. If I'm just, like, hanging out with someone or, like, we're, you know, interacting, if they call me daddy or if they want me to call them daddy, it's immediate, like, I will lose my boner. <laughs> and I'm just like, no. No, I'm not going to call you daddy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> After having children, it definitely changed for me. Like, that was kind of a big thing for me oh, before having that. kids. Yeah. Like, I was very much a, you know, call me daddy, but it is a whole different thing now that I, I associate it with a different kind
0: of... I yeah, I, especially when you actually have people in your family who are calling you daddy right, in a completely non-sexual context. Right, absolutely, right. So that's now easy. with the age play, I definitely am
1: very interested... Of course, anybody who is has got a uh, high ranking in the, these things or identifies as somebody who enjoys these things, please reach out. Come on the show. We'd love to have your opinion. Just because the people sitting on this couch today... Are not interested in age play does not mean that we don't want to, to discuss those things. Yeah. I'm still interested
0: in it as a topic. Absolutely. <laughs> just right. not as a, a thing that I want to do.
1: But, I do wish to circle back to discussing uh, your experiences at the BDSM club. We, we kind of got away from that. Uh, and we lost a lot of people hanging on the edge there. So
2: Let's bring it back. We
1: gotta bring it back. So you're you're tied <laughs> up. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, you're tied up and you're you're, you're in position. You have to actually I really, I really enjoy... i got to get
2: in position. What's
1: what's important to note here for folks who are are unfamiliar, again, with that lifestyle is the level of communication, of checking in with your partner. It's a very important role for the person who's being dominant, who's doing the tying and doing the, the, the spanking and the hitting, is to check in with your partner to make sure they're okay.
2: And let's and let's talk about this communication for a second. I mean, sometimes your arms are tied behind your back, your fingers are interlocked, your mouth is gagged. And so what do you have left to communicate with? Sometimes your signals could be as simple as a blink. If you blink three times really quick, it means that you need a break or you need your mouth back or you need whatever it is. The whole point is beforehand, you and your your partner, your dominant, your submissive, discuss what your communication signals are. So even before you get put in any kind of remotely sexual or compromising position, you already have a language with your partner to determine where your boundaries are at any given time.
1: All important conversations. Absolutely.
0: I like that you mentioned different like tells, so not just having a safe word, but oh, a yeah. safe gesture. Safe. As
1: soon as a gag is involved, yeah, you can't tap I didn't out with your about. hand necessarily. You have to make sure that with every restriction or, or thing that is taken and or given... Uh, whether it's, you know, verbal communication, hand communication, that there is a new level of communication that is Telepathic established. communication. <laughs> right, if, yeah. If you're not once sending me mind once bullets... Once it's
2: in play, yeah. If
1: you're not sending me mind bullets, then you're that's, just going to keep getting spanked repeatedly, you know? So. Exactly. So. I'm, I'm sorry. I wasn't picking up on the telepathy. <laughs> and so I just fucking spanked your ass raw. See, and
2: that's... It's just... A whole different level of communication. It takes so much, again, trust that, Mm -hmm. you know, if you start throwing out these very minute signals, is your dominant going to be able to pick up on them? Are they going to actually stop? Are they going to pause? Are they going to let you gather yourself and then get back in your situation? Um, As someone who's been in a submissive situation, there really is a thing called subspace When you, and that's basically when you trust your dominant enough that you, you just, you let go. You allow yourself to be in that completely submissive situation. You allow yourself to completely trust the person that's got control of you in that moment. And it's just a whole different mindset like if you're getting a tattoo it's kind of like you get into that tattoo mindset like you're not specifically thinking about the pain you're just kind of in another plane thinking of the sensations you feel and it's kind of the same way when you get into a sub headspace it's like you're letting someone take over for you but you trust them enough not to do you harm that it's just a really liberating feeling to be able to let go like that to know that if you move your pinky they're gonna be able to respond and it's really just it's it's a fabulous feeling
0: it sounds euphoric it really is And like meditative yeah
2: absolutely (laughs) that's exactly what it is and it it takes a lot to get there um and one big aspect of bdsm it, well, what should be a big aspect is aftercare because getting into that subspace it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of trust. it takes a lot of, you know, a lot of yourself. It takes everything in you sometimes to get in that space. and then afterwards when the when the scene is over, when you're done getting spanked, when the when the ties when the knots come undone, like you don't just leave that space and are completely normal again. You need aftercare from your sub if you need you know some snacks a drink if you need some cuddles if you need to be kissed and hugged on for 20 minutes afterwards (laughs) yes all of it just you need to you need that it's it's part of what makes the whole process what makes the whole situation complete is to get the aftercare and
1: it's stretching after a workout
2: (laughs) exactly it's the cool down yeah you go through all this really intense stuff and you need 20 minutes, a half hour, an hour to get back to Earth, basically. It's really important. It's a really important part of BDSM is the aftercare. And it's something that I don't think is talked about a lot. Like, you talk about the act of being tied up and you talk about the act of being flogged and the act of being spanked, but you never really talk about what happens when that's done. Yeah. <laughs> But the act of what happens when it's done, the aftercare, is more important than and actually being spanked
1: sometimes. Just for clarification, we're talking, you know, more than just the occasional ass-slapping during sex. This is, you know, some serious, repetitive, you know... Uh, uh, punishment. Real punishment, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. This is... So I've, I've had enough experience in the BDSM world that... I have had bruises left on me. <laughs> there's a
0: that giggle. I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: it's fun. I'm sorry, but you know when be, yeah. when you want to test your limits. Sometimes you just you really want to test your limits, and I've really wanted to test my <laughs> limits. <laughs> it hurts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. There's not many things that bring me to tears, but I was openly weeping <laughs> at certain times just because Jeez. of... Yeah, but it's so cathartic. Like, you you get finished with it. And I'm currently showing a, a picture to Stephen of my actual bruised black ass. Bruised
0: to, to black ass. <laughs> that's... That's more intense than I thought it would be.
2: So, yeah, I mean, it can be... Anything you want it to be as intense or?
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I would want it to be. I would try it once, but yeah. I don't think I'd walk again afterwards. that. Right. So,
2: but but there's a weird. I don't know if it's, there's a sense of pride that comes afterwards, and so you're getting in the car after after the night of the party, and it's hard for you to sit down, but you're. Your partner was, my partner was there and he was able to, you know, do some of the aftercare with me. And it's just, he's, by the way, he's not the one that, that left the marks on my butt. It was, it was another person entirely who I hadn't met before, but there's, it's, it's, it's a level of communication with somebody that, you know, you're, you're at a BDSM party with and everybody's there kind of to watch and kind of to participate And if you don't want to watch, or if you don't want to participate, that's okay, but, you know, everybody's there because they're like-minded. Everybody, everybody's there to, to dabble in sex, to dabble in a little bit of pain with their pleasure. So, so it just, it breeds an atmosphere of acceptance. And so, knowing that people are there all for the same goal, to receive and give pleasure and pain in some instances, like it really, it really breeds an air, a, a, a trusting atmosphere where you know,
1: everybody's there for the same thing. So, can you bring your own toys to a sex party? You can. Yeah. Um, Please clean them beforehand.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like going to a gym. You have the equipment set out. You know, like I mentioned, the stacks and the. I don't know, like, a a box for you to lean over, but everything, you know, the scene happens, there's, like, a taped outline on the floor, so you can't even get close to it within a certain radius. And everything gets wiped down when you're done. Everybody's toys belong to that individual. Like, whoever was flogging me... And a flogger, for those of you who don't know, is basically a handle with several... Like tassels, like like leather leather tassels, tassels. and they can be more materials than just leather. But trust me, leather feels the best. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the person who was flogging me had his own materials, and I, they were clean. They assured me. You know, you can watch them clean their equipment, and you can watch them clean the equipment that, the, the community equipment that you're using. So it's very, it's very clean. Everybody tries. They're best to keep things above board, and honestly, there's enough people around that if somebody is doing something a little shady or that the community wouldn't approve of, it's pointed out right away, and that person
0: gets the fuck out of there. That is nice, because, like, I would be kind of intimidated if it was, like a small handful of strangers, but the fact that it's actually a a sort of larger group and that they're all cognizant of what's happening, I feel like that's better. And Like, I I trust 10 strangers more than I trust two. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm.
2: It's surprising the number of people that are there not even participating, but just basically advocating for the submissive. Because it is so easy to be taken advantage of as a submissive like you just kind of like me for instance I kind of go with the flow with things I'm an experimentalist I like to it's easier for me to know what I don't like than what I do so I'm more inclined to try things out that I haven't but I would feel safe in that environment because if I were to really dislike something if somebody outside of the scene that I'm in like someone that's not my scene partner if they were to notice something then they would be able to point it out and so everybody's kind of advocating for everyone else and it's really it's really nice it's really welcoming
1: it's a good community to be involved in it
2: really is it's a if you're ever somewhere and you want to dabble in the BDSM community I recommend looking for a munch Um, typically yeah they call them munches
0: is that an acronym, or is it...
2: Maybe. I probably should know that. But it's it's basically just a, a low-key meeting. Usually it's a lunch or a coffee or a dinner or just something to get you introduced to the members of the community. It's not anywhere private. It's at a restaurant or a bar or something, you know, where where more than just kinky people are
0: welcome. but So not a sexually... Yeah Explicit event Not just Not a sexual meet at and all and greet, basically
2: Simply a meet and greet Right So if If you're looking to get into the scene That's I suggest you look for a munch In your area
1: A meeting over lunch Basically A <laughs> munch Lunch
2: A munch Yeah
0: mm-hmm. I'm gonna look for a munch right? Yeah Yeah I think I will too Let's munch together You wanna You wanna go to a munch with me I would love to go to a munch with you Let's do it I'll be your munch partner <laughs> Well, Let's if, do munch. if you're Let's in
2: Lexington, I can. Int- if you're in a <laughs> well, small town munch. in Kentucky, I can introduce you to some some munchers. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a small community in Lexington, no. but they That's really sound- like to munch. <laughs> <laughs> how
0: many times can we say the word munch? We've got, we've got lots of dabbles. We've got we've got munches. Are there any nibbles? Can we nibble? So, yeah, I mean,
1: I, yeah, it's, it's, there's always more to learn, and I'm always excited for the knowledge. Um, or... What are we... So, we're jerking it off? <laughs> <laughs> we're always jerking it off. All the time. There's lots of hand signals being fly, flying around right now.
2: A lot so. of, there's a lot of gest, gestures happening.
0: Misticulating. Yeah. Testiculating. titillating <laughs> 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 Oh, I, I just learned that there's a bird that's actually called Great Tits. <laughs> 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 I learned this this morning. <laughs> what about the blue footed booby? So, that I've heard of the booby. Yeah. But I had not heard of Great Tits.
2: I've heard of tits, but I've heard of a tit not mouse. great tits, I guess. There's a
0: bird, and it's called, like, literally, this This bird is great tits. And they're <laughs> known for stealing milk.
2: Oh, There's goodness.
0: a great tit, but it's not well, the plural. plural. Yeah, right. Plural is great tits. Yeah. Uh, but they're known for stealing milk. Back when people would deliver milk door to door these birds would come up and they would use their beaks and just pry off the top of the bottles and they would take the cream off the top of the milk.
2: Hmm,
0: interesting. So great tits, great milk. <laughs> Papa John's. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want their pizza anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Breast milk, cheese, no
0: thanks. I'd eat it. It's fine.
2: you nasty. I was also thinking, when we were
0: talking about flogging, I was thinking that maybe... Maybe flogging would be nice, but when you were talking about how leather feels best, I was imagining what kind of flog I would want. And I think cotton balls, uh, maybe, <laughs> or uh, maybe some, like, uh, those really nice uh, feathers.
2: Feathers? Okay.
0: Um, but No, yeah. leather
2: is my favorite. It's nice and thuddy. I like a, like a, a harder hit that doesn't sting. Um, I was, I was at a goth club one night and I was getting flogged a little bit. Fine. With your leather flogger and the guy without my consent, Hold on.
0: did you say leather flogger? Yes. Okay.
2: Yes. My mm-hmm. brain
0: almost corrected to mother flogger, <laughs> but I wasn't sure leather. if that's what you said or not.
2: At this point, <laughs> I'm not sure It either.
0: honestly could be. <laughs>
2: It's a leather, leather flogger. Uh, but without his consent, without my consent, he changed to one that was a more plastic, like, stingy feel. Mm. So, like, two hits in, and I'm like, what in the heather? What are you doing? <laughs> Get off of me. You didn't know. So, yeah, a big part of BDSM is consent. Definitely ask people if they want to be touched. Uh, each touch is different. Even if they say they want to hug one you know, one hour from now, they may not want a hug. So just keep keep consent in mind in any interaction you have with someone. It's a big part of BDSM as well. Like even I think it's sexy. Like I've I've had partners, uh, sexual and non-sexual, that I've wanted to kiss, and it's just, what's hotter than holding the person in your arms and saying, "Can I kiss you"? And they're like, oh, yes. Mm." And you just, you can feel them melt. And then you just kiss your, whoever you're with. And it's just, it's fabulous. Consent is sexy. And I just, I love it. I'm a big advocate for consent.
0: It's just nice to feel cared for. Or cared, cared about. Yeah. And consent is basically care. So, it's nice. I'm a big proponent. Big proponent. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Podcast with Benefits. If you enjoyed this show, please rate, follow, and or subscribe to The Podcast with Benefits wherever podcasts are distributed. Please reach out to us by writing an email
1: to friends at gmail.com, commenting on mtfproductions.com, or finding us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash be more than friends. One day we hope to do this for a living to help make that dream come
0: true. Please donate what you can to our show at mtfproductions.com. Your donations help us purchase better equipment, fund more merchandise, and hold events. Please share the show with a friend that you love. Thank you. It's
2: going to be a burp
0: though. It's mm-hmm. fun. Out. There it is. <sighs> We're good now.